need a horse? We don't have horses, just dogs, cats, birds. They give me one of those large enough to ride. You're listening to Movie Things with Lindsay and Gary. Season 4, episode number 4. And in this episode, we're talking about Thor that came out in 2011. I'm excited for this one. I thought you would be. Here comes the hammer. <laughs> <laughs> hammer time. <laughs> but enough about what we see when we see you coming. <laughs> <laughs> so 2011, directed by Kenneth Branagh, who also made Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Nice. And the 2015 version of Cinderella. What a varied CV. It is a mixed bag. <laughs> this film stars Chris Hemsworth, Natalie Portman, Tom Hiddleston, Kat Dennings. I know we say this in every episode for this season so far, but there's really an impressive cast and I could go on and on. There's loads of good guys in this film, to be honest. Do you want to do a spoiler alert and then we'll get into the plot of Thor? Sure. So we're going to be talking about Thor the same way that we do with all of our movies here on Movie Things. We're going to be going into a lot of detail about the plot, revealing the ending, and of course those all-important post-credit scenes. You have been warned, so grab some snacks, settle on in, and let's get started. So what is your snack of choice? So my snack of choice for Thor is four wild boars, six pheasants, a side of beef <laughs> and two casks of ale. Shame on you. Don't Just, you care? <laughs> or what I like to call elevenses. <laughs> <laughs> so um, this is a snack that one of Thor's friends eats at some point during the film. Sort of just like a pre-workout, like a pre-battle. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's like lying horizontally on, on a sort of chaise long eating it, so it's a vibe. He's a big dude, and Thor's a big dude, and they all seem to have big appetites in Asgard. Yeah, they definitely do. <laughs> so, what's Thor about? Okay, so this film starts off with Jane, who is an astrophysicist, and that's who Natalie Portman plays. She is studying electrical storms with her two colleagues, and she comes across what they believe to be a massive magnetic storm. So they want to get up close to see what they can see, but in all the chaos, they actually come across a man who they accidentally hit unconscious with their van. Turns out they've hit Thor, who is a very, very long way from home. He is from a place called Asgard, and it turns out that he's been banished for throwing an ancient god-sized temper tantrum and gone against his dad's wishes. The film starts off at this point, and then it kind of flashes back to what's happened and brought Thor to Earth. So Thor was basically due to be king of Asgard? It was. He is the son of Odin, who's the current king of Asgard. He has a brother named Loki, who we get to know quite well throughout the rest of the Marvel phases. Yes, and Loki kind of eggs him on to start a bit of a battle. I was going to say that, like, Thor is super strong. Yeah. He's got that full sort of peak 80s wrestler vibe going on. Loki doesn't, but Loki's way, way smarter. Yeah. and manipulates Thor so easily. I, I always laugh at this bit in the film because Thor is basically 99% there. We don't see it, but he's done all the work that gets him right to 10 steps from the throne. Yeah. He's literally that close. And Loki has a, a wee word in his ear. Mm -hmm. Nothing major, just pulls one wee string. And within the space of about 15 seconds, 
has convinced Thor to go to war with like another land and just abandon his coronation. Yep. So he basically prompts him to go and do battle with the frost giants, who are sort of like souped-up versions of the Judderman from from those old adverts. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and this kind of takes us into probably what I would deem as the first big battle scene of the film. So this things get going pretty quickly. Yeah, but they're in over their heads super fast. They they basically leave Asgard. They go to attack the frost giants mm -hmm. and they're quickly outnumbered. Severely outnumbered. And Odin has to come in and bring them home. Kind of like just when, when a da turns up. <laughs> <laughs> There's a great scene though where Odin just sort of appears in this like flash of light from the sky. It's, it's beautiful. He do, he's a bit like Santa with an eye patch on. But, but Santa that can fight. Yeah, so he's like Kurt Russell's <laughs> version of Santa. <laughs> So Odin brings Thor, Loki and their pals back to Asgard, but he banishes Thor for his vanity and his stupidity, basically telling him, look, you're nowhere near ready to be king yet. So he strips him of all his power and sends him to Earth, which kind of brings us back up to where we started. So where are we? We're in a tiny wee town in New Mexico. Yeah, the wee town gives me like major Roswell vibes, which I very much enjoy. As Thor is banished to Earth in small town America, so is his hammer. Odin sends that and basically says, if somebody is deserving of its power, they'll be able to remove it from the ground and, and use it. So an old guy in a farmer's truck basically comes across it in the middle of the New Mexico desert. So the hammer's landed and word gets around fast and it's made quite the impact on the locals. They all start to gather and see who's going to be the first to pull it out of the ground. <laughs> it's kind of like a sword in the stone situation, but this is where we have our Stan Lee cameo for the film. Yeah, but it's a blink and you'll miss it cameo it in this movie. I literally blinked and missed it. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, there's Stan Lee, and then I looked up and he, he was gone. He was already gone. It's a bit really fun, though. Like, the locals basically get drunk, have a cookout, and take turns trying to pull the hammer out of the ground. I think it looks like a great time. I mean, 7 Eleven might have been shot at that point in the day. We need <laughs> something else to do. So, the girls, after realising he has fallen to earth, they scoop up Thor, give him some clothes, and try and help him to blend in while studying him. I really enjoy this scenario because it's a bit like E.T. They're trying to get him used to being on earth and earth things. You always um, enjoy that kind of California man, I do. Terminator, like. Yeah, fish out of water. Yeah. I really enjoy <laughs> a, a kind of story set up like that. There's a really great scene where he goes into a pet shop and demands a horse. That's literally my favourite scene up to this point. <laughs> I think my two highlights up to this point in the film is Odin's appearance in the battle mm -hmm. and Thor basically rocking up to a small town pet shop and just shouting, I need a horse. Yeah. It's perfect. And they tell him they just sell dogs and cats. And he says, do you have one big enough that I can ride? Because <laughs> he's basically rocked up to pets at home to buy a horse. So. Yeah. <laughs> so shields show up at this point and they confiscate all of Jane's equipment, research and evidence because they know something's afoot and they just want to be all over it. Yeah, and they basically set up a, a wee camp around Thor's hammer and Thor goes to get his hammer back. He does. It's hammer time. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny, so he goes and um, obviously beats up a ton of S.H.I.E.L.D. guards, all that sort of thing. It's not really clear at that point whether or not S.H.I.E.L.D. recognise him as Thor, so 
You know, we went back to watch these films and, and obviously we've seen them before now so you can piece things together that maybe you couldn't piece together when we mm -hmm. saw them the first time. We've been honest in saying that we don't have an encyclopedic knowledge of the Marvel Universe. We're like sort of fans but not yeah, super in-depth with how it all links together sometimes. So to me, I think S.H.I.E.L.D. are sort of all-knowing and all-seeing but they're not. they don't know who Thor no. is at this point. They actually don't even know... What that the Thor's is. there. They just they've went to see the hammer. Yeah, but they don't know what the hammer. They're, they're still trying to suss no. out what that is as well. And they're guarding it quite ferociously. Thor goes basically kind of displaying that same kind of arrogance and kind of vanity to start the film. For some reason, forgetting that his dad took all his power off him <laughs> and just assuming that he'll be able to pick it up like you know, no problem whatsoever. But he can't because he's not deserving of his power yet. No, but unfortunately he's caused enough carnage for S.H.I.E.L.D. to be quite curious about who he might be. This is a funny point in the movie as well though, so basically he ends up in for questioning with Agent Coulson. He made my man some of the most highly trained professionals in the world look like a bunch of minimum wage mall cops. That's hurtful. In my experience, it takes someone who's received similar training to do what you did to them. Why don't you tell me where you received your training? Pakistan? Chechnya? Afghanistan? Now you strike me more as the soldier of fortune type. Where was it? South Africa? Certain groups pay very well for a good mercenary like you. Who are you? One way or another, we find out what we need to know. We're good at that. And this is like maybe the second or third appearance we get of Loki in the film. Yeah. Dressed so like Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Meanwhile, in Asgard, Odin has fallen unwell and Loki's actually taken position as king. But he's not been entirely honest with Thor when he appears to question him. Oh, he basically tells him Odin's dead and that peace is only guaranteed in Asgard if Thor stays away. He's a Torak. He's a wee rat, but he's like such a good he's, villain in it. He's um, a great character. And then he has a wee go at pulling the hammer out the ground, but he fails as well, yeah. obviously. So at this point in the film, we're really starting to learn a bit more about Loki as a character. Thor has appeared on Earth because Odin's banished him there, not because he's been able to teleport himself there, but Loki can do that. That seems to be part of his magic, that he can transport himself anywhere he wants, he can slip into places undetected. In this case, he's dressed in his interpretation of what a shield agent might look like, even though it's kind of in a sort of tweed Sherlock Holmes-style get-up. He seems to be able to teleport, but also just to appear, reappear, and take on any form or forms. There's a, a point in the film when there's like a hundred Lokis. Yeah. Um, it just seems like his power is whatever he fancies. Yeah, I think he's the god of mischief, so that makes perfect sense. Sure does. Do you want to learn a bit about another god? Sure. Time for this week's factor. Okay, I'm ready. I'm expecting big things, you know. <laughs> so for this week's facto, as with the rest in our Marvel Phase 1 season, I'm going to pick someone and focus a wee bit more on their backstory. Bring it. Generally, I've been picking the person with the coolest name. There's a few of them in this, though. Yeah, there are. There's a lot of really good names in this one. But I've went with the main man, Odin. Okay. Or, as he's more affectionately known, Thor's da. <laughs> Santa. <laughs> as a wee side note, 
as cool as the name Odin may be, his name actually gives us the origin of one of the week's most boring days. Wednesday? Or Wodensday? You're just making it derived up. from Odin's is this, day. Is this your fact though, or is there more to this? Well, there's more to it, but I just thought <laughs> as a wee aside. Right, okay. Since we're talking about names, but okay, that, that landed well. <laughs> <laughs> Moving swiftly on. In many Old Norse texts, Odin takes on the form of a kind of classic wizard with a long beard, a cloak and a big broad hat. However, in the movie, Odin's instead portrayed as more of an experienced, wise, but slightly over-the-hill soldier. Mm-hmm. Odin is said to have over 170 names. Some of the best include the All-Father, the Wanderer, and Infinity. Infinity? That's cool. I mean, what, what cooler name than Infinity? Yeah, that's pretty Just, good. What, what's your name? All of them. <laughs> <laughs> He's also the possessor of a pretty wide range of superhuman abilities, including interdimensional travel, astral projection, and telepathy. Throughout his rule, he has used these powers, which he calls... You ready for this? I'm ready. Odin Force. That's so cool. Do you think he he came up with that himself? I hope he came up with all this himself. (laughs) He's used these powers to turn the entire population of a planet into one single person and move the entire human race to an alternative dimension. I must admit, I'm really impressed by all of this because I really did just think it was Thor's dad. (laughs) (laughs) None of this compares to my favourite Odin quirk, which is that once a year, he must take a significant period of annual leave, which he titles Odin Sleep. (laughs) (laughs) So is it like when a bear hibernates? (laughs) To recharge the old batteries and get himself oiled up for another season of defending the kingdom. It's during this time that Asgard is most vulnerable and often comes under attack, generally from his own adopted son and Thor's mischievous (laughs) brother, Loki. In the film, we see Odin try to anoint Thor as the new king of Asgard, which is unsuccessful due to Thor's immaturity. This is actually a bit of a constant trend through poor Odin's life. He's actually died and been resurrected three times to come back and defend his kingdom again. But at the moment, as things stand in the world of Asgard, Odin is currently at peace and living happily ever after. After spending his life battling for peace across the realms, Odin is currently semi-retired and has installed Thor as the new (laughs) All-Father. I thought you were going to say semi-retired and installed a conservatory. <laughs> Living in Florida. <laughs> oh. So there's a wee bit that's, about Odin's backstory. That's a lovely fun fact though for this episode. I genuinely thought you'd be more impressed by Odin being the origin for like Wednesday. It, but you just didn't react to that at all. <laughs> I thought it was good but I was worried that that was the whole fact. Odin's day. Odin's day. Odin's day. Odin's day. Wednesday just rolls off the tongue. So, back to the plot. Yes, so Thor's friends travel to Earth to try and bring him home, but they're followed by a massive metal dude who's been instructed by Loki to basically destroy everything. This is a great scene though, because obviously Loki sent this massive metallic villain to destroy Earth and Thor specifically. The metal dude lands on Earth, but he lands right in front of Agent Coulson and his shield guys. Yeah. And they're like, 
oh great another one of tony stark's creations yeah. Yeah. it's really good they're like ah oh, stark never tells us anything they yeah. just assume it's another iron man prototype yeah it's a iron really... monger oh <laughs> don't start <laughs> but yeah it's a really it's a really really funny scene and again it just links the different characters together and starts to build that unity which is uh, really cool yeah because i think that's a that's an interesting one and it's an important thing in this film because this film is introducing that whole other world, other dimension mm-hmm. thing. And I must admit, see, at the time of watching this one and having seen Iron Man before it, Iron Man and Hulk are very Earth-based. Yes. And then you know that the world's coming together and you know that in Avengers then you're going to have this big mix of people, including Thor and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So you're going to have this massive mix of technology, of supernatural, of otherworldly. Yeah. And I was like, how is that going to come together? Surely that's going to be tough. But it is by planting these wee Easter eggs and planting the threads as you go through the movies that you kind of get away with it. Because I'm assuming... I'm guessing and I'm jumping ahead. I'm guessing by the time we get to Avengers, we're going to kind of have slowly been introduced to those ideas through these films and then it's just going to feel totally normal by that point. I think that's one of the biggest joys of re-watching all of these Phase 1 films from the start is seeing how they interconnect and start to plant those little seeds all the way through. Things that you just dismissed on the first watch, or at least we certainly did, and now we're like, ah, okay, so that's why they do that or that's why they go there and find that or see this person. It's really cool. But we specifically suggest now not watching these films with us in future because we will be those guys. (laughs) (laughs) There's another big battle scene at this point. And Thor proves that he's no longer selfish because he puts other people's well-being and safety first, proving that he's now worthy of the hammer again. I'm really, really trying to hold in hammer time again. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know one of the things, so I've been dead positive about this film so far and I've been saying this is my favourite scene and this is a great scene. Do you know what doesn't happen in this film that I really, really want to happen right from the first opening credits right through to especially this point? I want God of Thunder by Kiss to start playing really loud and I want the hammer to come towards him or maybe from the sky. And then I want the battle to play out while God of Thunder's blasting in the background. I don't think that's an unreasonable ask. It, the whole thing is set up for that to happen. Yeah. And it doesn't happen. Yeah. And that leaves me a wee bit upset because <laughs> I think in my head I invented that happening. And I feel like that happened in this film. <laughs> and then I rewatched it and I kept waiting for that bit. And it doesn't come because... I think maybe that was like one of your Thor daydreams that that happened in. Well, I give my Thor daydream a 10 out of 10. (laughs) (laughs) Kill surprise. So with this battle won and everybody safe, Thor and his friends then return to Asgard to try and end some of the chaos that Loki's been creating. During Odin's sleep. Yeah, the whole time. It's a bit like when I go for a nap and then get back up again. (laughs) (laughs) So Earth's protected, Asgard is protected, Odin wakes up. And Loki ends up leaving Asgard, kind of of his his own decision. He kind of commits suicide. They're like hanging or, off. Or a, so we think. So we think he's. They're hanging off a bridge. Odin's holding on to Thor. He's holding on to Loki. Mm-hmm. They're all trying to kind of save each other. And Loki lets himself go and drifts off into space. Yeah. Back on Earth, Jane gazes up at the sky, wondering if she'll ever see Thor again. 
And then the audience are promised Thor will return in the Avengers. And then God of Thunder kicks in. The hammer <laughs> appears from the sky. None of that happened. Why does that not happen in this film? Why does that not happen? And then we sit through 10 minutes of credits for the post-credits scene. That This is one of those annoying ones. Like, the Iron Man ones come quite quick. Yeah. This is one of those proper post-credits yeah. scenes that comes a full 10 minutes after the film has ended. One of those ones that you absolutely hate sitting for in the cinema. It's awkward. Yeah. There's popcorn everywhere. The lights are half on, half off. The staff are waiting to get in to clean the screen and you're sitting there for 30 seconds of Marvel hints that I have, like a 0.3% chance of understanding. <laughs> <laughs> so in the post credit scene for this film, our old friend Nick Fury is in it and he has heard word of the New Mexico situation. At this point, we realise... <laughs> <laughs> Just Roswell, God of Thunder, a totally different edit of the film. I know. What could have been? Think You're not wrong. It. We realise that Loki's alive and well, he's actually on Earth now, and he's interested in a potential source of unlimited power that Fury's found. Who wouldn't be? And that's where it ends. It's quite a labyrinth. I was thinking that taking me down here to kill me. <laughs> I've been hearing about the New Mexico situation. Your work has impressed a lot of people who are much smarter than I am. I have a lot to work with. The Foster theory, a gateway to another dimension, is unprecedented. Isn't it? Legend tells us one thing, history another. But every now and then we find something that belongs to both. thunder hits <laughs> yeah go to thunder hits crowd goes wild or at least you go wild so i've got i've got a question and i don't even know why i'm why i'm asking this question it's probably an obvious answer but is thor your favorite avenger yes <laughs> you could have at least let, let me land the question uh, yes <laughs> this is a funny one and i'll get into it when we rate it but i think thor and ragnarok but this is the development, I suppose. This yeah. is the character that gets you there and maybe you don't get there without this character. This one's a wee bit wooden and not quite as personality-filled as he becomes when he's fully realised in, mm. in Ragnarok. But yeah, still great and I enjoy a bit of Thor. I know you do. I know you do. <laughs> <laughs> so what have you rated Thor? I really enjoyed rewatching Thor. As a film, um, I know the concept had been kicking around since about 1991 and I'm glad that it finally came together in the end in the 2000s. Yeah, I read that Sam Raimi done the original Bones for a film back yeah. in the early 90s. That would have been very, very different. Yeah. And I bet Sam would have had God of Thunder in there. <laughs> <laughs> I promise I'm not being paid by Gene Simmons here. Like, I just really like that We're song. We're going to end up being and sued I, by I Gene Simmons. I know. There's a lot of highlights for me and Thor I like the arc 
I like the character development. At the start, he's not ready to be king and he goes on a bit of a journey to redeem himself and then realise what's important in life. I'm also a big fan of Loki as a character and I'm not surprised that Tom Hiddleston won an award for his performance as Loki in this film. I know a lot of people, they talk about Wakanda when it comes to the Marvel kind of lands, but I really love Asgard. I think it's beautiful. I think the visuals are really lush and really nice and they just get better as the films progress. And as we mentioned earlier, I just love a sort of fish out of water story concept. I find it really entertaining. <laughs> it's like, you know... Splash. He's like ET with abs. Like, what, what, what more could you want? So, yeah, I really enjoyed rewatching this film. I'm giving it a 7.5 out of 10. Nice. How about you? I've given it 8 out of 10. Nice. I enjoyed this a lot more than I remember, which is becoming a wee bit of a theme for this series, I guess. Yeah, for phase one of the MCU. Which is great. I, I remember Thor being a wee bit stiff and a wee bit humourless, but it totally isn't. Yeah. It isn't. His costume and his hair are a bit stiff. But there's a lot of fun in this movie. Yeah. When he took possession of his hammer before returning to Asgard for the final battle, I was feeling it. Yeah. Like, that was a great scene. <laughs> but there is a but. Mm -hmm. As fun as it is, I just can't stop thinking about the Ragnarok sequel during this because that's the absolute pinnacle for me of not just Thor, but Marvel. Yeah. And the Marvel the, movies. And I think, you know... I didn't rate the first Iron Man film as highly as you thought I would because I know that, that there was better ones to come and I think you're a little bit like that with Thor. Yeah. Like, I know how much you love this character, but I can understand why you've not ranked his first appearance as a straight 10 because you know that actually it gets better yeah. as the films go on. Yeah, this is the first time I've watched Thor 1 <laughs> since, <laughs> since we've seen Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> since we've seen Ragnarok and I didn't realise how much, how good Ragnarok is was going to affect how much I enjoy the original Thor. Mm -hmm. I still really enjoy watching it, but mm -hmm. the whole time I'm just thinking, oh, you need the music and the graphics and the colour yeah. and the humour and... Um, Jeff Goldblum and Eyeliner. Yeah, and I think just because there is a 10 out of 10 Thor film in existence, yeah. this kind of falls into the background a little bit, I guess. It's always interesting watching a movie when there's a significantly stronger sequel. It's pretty rare in cinema when it happens. And going back to Thor 1, I guess, just feels like going back to like a wee aperitif of the main event to come. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I still I really enjoyed this. So 8 out of 10 for me. Excellent. So that's our show, guys. You can come over and join us on social media and tell us if Thor is your favourite Avenger and what you think of this film and how you think it sits in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, hit us up at Movie Things Pod on Instagram and Twitter. And if you could leave a wee review wherever you listen to your podcasts, that would be ideal. That would be awesome and it would help us a lot. And do tell a friend if you've got any pals that are looking for new podcast recommendations. We would love it if you could spread the word and tell them to come on over and join us. Grab some snacks, settle on in and come chat movies with us. So Captain America up next, you're looking forward to it? Um, actually, because I've been really enjoying revisiting the films in phase one so far. So I wouldn't say I've got high hopes, but I'm being sort of quietly optimistic that I'm going to enjoy it and see what happens. So back in two weeks. Yeah, flying through the air with God of Thunder playing behind us because, you know, someone's got to do it. That's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you in the next episode.